Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie on 1049 The Horn. That's where my man Patrick plays jams intended to soothe the tortured soul of sports fans who might have had a tough weekend. Uh, if you're an Astros fan, you definitely had a tough weekend. If you're a Longhorn fan, you're definitely feeling good about uh, your Longhorn football team this weekend uh, because uh, after the spring game, a lot of uh, optimism surrounding this team. We'll hear from Steve Sarkeesian, the head coach of Longhorn uh, football, a Talked a lot about a lot about his quarterbacks, a lot of other things, and we'll get um, his comments coming up here momentarily. Uh, you can be a part of the show. Specs text is the best way to do it. Five one two three three seven three seven seven six. You also can hit us up via Twitter. Harge is at Hardball Harge in the Twitterverse. Patrick Davis at It's Patrick Davis. He's the real MVP, and I'm at Rod Babers in the Twitterverse. All right, gentlemen, let's get right to it. Rod, round the day. We'll just continue our spring football review and that conversation. So we'll continue to talk football, uh, Texas football. I will give you. I got have that kind of the raw notes uh, that I took during the spring game, so I will go over some of the raw notes that I took. I have yet to, have yet to chart the spring game. I'm going to do that no. tonight. I'll probably chart it tonight, and then I'll have some more nuggets um, and some uh, kind of some deep dive analytical views of the spring game. But that'll be tomorrow, so t- today we'll just get into some of the notes that I took uh, just on my first watch of the spring game. That'll be coming up in Roger Rod the day. Let's talk about the spring game and get into, let's talk about the defense first. We did get in a lot into the offense and we'll come back to the conversation about the offense. I know that's where most people uh, want to have the uh, conversation about the quarterbacks, and most people have their uh, their attention focused is on the offensive side of the ball. So we'll get back there, and if we don't, we'll continue in Rod's round of the day talking about the offense. But let's start with the defense, because I thought the defense actually had one performer that stood out to me, and I'm sure there were some other great performances um, that we can get into, but Anthony Hill. Watching him uh, and yes. the way that he stood out, the way they used him too, and I thought they would, you know, at times just kind of put him exactly where they put Overshone as that pass rusher on the edge in that specific package. He seems like he's a natural pass rusher. Sark even brought him up when he was asked, "Who are your best pass rushers?" He brought up Byron Murphy, and then he brought up Anthony Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy seems like a natural pass rusher. He looked natural. And it looked organic for him coming off the edge. They also rushed him uh, from the off-ball linebacker position and and rushed him uh, through the interior gaps. And I thought he looked excellent early on. His his body even looks like he fits. Looks like he can play at this level even as a baby. And he's still a baby. Yeah, we were talking (laughs) about it before. You know, when you look at certain people and certain players, you can see the maturity in their body better than you see in most of the, his peers. And what I mean by that, the freshmen, yep. the people that are coming in with him, his crew, 
Um, he stood out right away. Yeah, he did. He stood out right away, yeah. and he fits the zero perfectly. When you start thinking about what you saw with DeMarvian Overshawn, now you look at him and you're like, ah, uh, yeah, he fills that thing out. He looks he looks like he's going to be that type of guy. And just the way you said it, Rod, the way he moves around on the field, Ooh, the way his fluid. instincts, yeah, he ran by, There was a he got upfield, and he just kind of put his hand up like, you know I could have got you if I wanted to I when the quarterback this. threw it away. Yes. Yeah, yeah. he was like, oh, I could have got you if I really wanted to, but I'm going to do this the right way. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that shows maturity because your natural instincts as a young player, I'm about to go make a play. And yeah. he did the right thing by letting up and saying, all right, he knows what he's doing, and he was in the right position. So those are the things that you can get excited about when you watch them. You should. Um, I mean, because DeMarvion Overshone also in, you know, in that role as that off-ball linebacker, he was also a natural pass rusher. I think yep. he had a 25% pressure rate in 2022. Um, that's better than the linebackers that are going to be drafted ahead of him, Noah Sewell and uh, Daniel Henley and Drew Sanders and Jack Campbell and Trent Simpson. Uh, DeMarvin Oshawn has got a higher pressure rate than all of those guys. So he was a really, you know, uh, kind of gifted, naturally gifted pass rusher once they put him on the edge in space. Mm-hmm. I think he, was just a, he, he liked to space the spread baby. So he, he was comfortable working in space coming from being a safety. You put him on the edge. He's in space again instead of putting him at the off-ball linebacker position where he's got to work through a lot of traffic. So uh, Anthony Hill, though, he looks like a guy that, man, once you put some more weight on him, I don't know where he really projects. And I I would love to think that he's a guy you can just move everywhere, that you can put him on the edge if you need him on the edge, and that he would still be fast enough to go sideline to sideline at the off-ball linebacker position if you need him. But that he is the future of uh, the future of the front seven, if you will, for Texas. And he looked great. And if you if you're looking for something to be excited about, Ooh. ding ding ding. That dude. That's number one. <laughs> and that's that guy's a real yeah. so even situationally, if he doesn't end up starting opposite Jalen Ford this year, he'll be situationally, I think, oh. a strategic, you know, oh. weapon in terms of the his pass rushing ability. So I imagine they'll use him much like they use Overshawn. They can get a team in second and long, get yep. him in third and long. Yep. You can unleash that guy. That's a perfect way to transition a young player. Just give him one or two things to focus on when they are, you know, first transitioning to the highest level. And it all revolves around their strengths as a player, their natural strengths within their skill set. He's a natural pass rusher. Put him out there and just let him rush the passer. And then you will, he, he, will, get, he will get acclimated. Quickly. Um, exactly. With, Quickly. The, with the pace of the game, the speed of the game, but also doing it um, with something that will give him confidence because that is, like I said, a natural strength for him. So I love that. That stood out yep. initially. Um, defense, we didn't talk about a ton defensively, but I thought that stood out. In the second half defensively, uh, they really stood I think the defense really did uh, kind of take over the spring game. Uh, the first half, though, we saw the um, offense make a lot of plays against the defense. My biggest concern defense is probably they're uh, giving up big plays in the back end. Yeah. Because uh, Texas did connect they, on some big plays. They were trying to do that. I mean, you gotta you got to have your right, shots oh. as well, and you got to know question. who's out there. So some of those younger players that were I on the it. field is like, now's our chance. Yep, I get it. Let's do it. I get it. Give the fans what they want. Yep. Throwing them bombs. And I think you'll get more pressure. Even Sark, you know, he talked about this too. We'll hear from Sark. He talked about them being able to apply more pressure Mm -hmm. with the pass rush once they use favorable combinations of players, meaning we'll have Byron Murphy on the field at the same time. We'll have 
Alfred, well, Byron Murphy and Alfred Collins together. Mm-hmm. We'll have Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, and Anthony, you know, Anthony Hill on the field together. Yep. During the spring game, it was a lot of mixing and matching because it was just a draft of players. That's and, the part, too. You're like, yeah. okay, this team got drafted. It looks a little bit different, and I know that this person will be on this side and this side. Yeah. It'll be some different things that are happening. Yeah, I didn't see mm, – I, I would say that um, Ethan Burke looked pretty good. Yes, he did. Early on. Yep. Um, he made some plays, too, on that defense. You're still looking for someone off of the edge yep. to step up and separate themselves. It's just going to be, I'm going to say, it's unconventional for Texas to have their best pass rushers be an off-ball linebacker, essentially, and at the heel and an interior defensive tackle in Byron Murphy. So strategically and schematically, they're going to have to figure out ways to scheme those guys to pass rushing situations that are advantageous to them. So getting them matched up on weak pass blockers. And you can only do that twists and stunts up front. You can do that with interior blitzes, yep. off-ball blitzes, different things of that nature. So that'll be interesting to see what they try to do there. Uh, all right, jumping. Uh, defensive backs, actually, since we're talking about defense really quick before we jump back to the offense. Uh, I did like what I, I saw from uh, the field corner Terrence Brooks. thought he made uh, a couple of good plays. You can tell they want – to be able, because at one point he was, I'm a second, I think they had him at the boundary corner playing yep. bump and run at one point. Trying it on, out, seeing what's happening. Yeah, right. Yeah. Ended up on X-Man on one of those deep balls. And it yep. was actually a really nice play for him defensively. He, had, he, he, he basically practiced what I call the looking lean. If you're what they call in phase, meaning you have a receiver uh, covered enough, covered well enough, where you can turn back and look to see the football to get a an actual view of the quarterback, you know that means you're in phase and you can feel the receiver mm-hmm. but see the quarterback. Right. And that's what exactly what he did. He was feeling Xavier Worthy. He could feel him, and he was looking and leaning. That's not a pass interference. It it may seem like pass interference. That's what Sark said. It's he a was loophole. Like, he was like, there might have been a pass interference. Oh, no, it ain't. Wasn't. Sark's wrong. That's yeah. a loophole. If you're looking back at the football, and yep. the, the look and lean never fails. If you're looking back at the football, and you can feel the receiver. Now, you can't be reaching out and grabbing him. No, you him, can't do that. Right? you got to still run don't naturally. Don't do that. That was a, don't, and Coach Akeen had the burp. You look and lean, and then you want to run with high elbows so that you can elbow <laughs> that receiver. And you can feel him. Yeah. Run around with high elbows. Yeah. Boom. But you keep banging the receiver, and you'll yeah. know he's right there. He's right there with you. And he'll now, get tired and try to push you. He'll try to push me. Yeah. There's going to be P.I. Yeah, on him. Yeah, that's right. right? That's right. But, hey, I'm just I'm looking and leaning. Yeah, and that's, I'm doing that's my part. Exactly. I'm yeah. the receiver now. Yeah. The ball's in the air. I'm looking at the ball. That's mine. That was a that was a beautiful play by him. And that's what you want to see from a lot of those DBs. You didn't see enough of that yesterday. But that was a great play. And he's my pick to win that field corner. I think Terrence Brooks went up winning. His dad, remember, yep. was an Aggie. Oh, uh, yeah. Chet Brooks came up with the wrecking crew uh, term is what Chad told me. And he's the one who set the bounty out. Sort of, it was towel bounty Uh-oh. on uh, Tim Brown. So, oh, yeah. yeah, the 12th man. He was sitting everywhere. He was like, man, y'all got to get that, that towel. Get that towel. That 12th man. Yeah. Because that was when them walk ons were initially, he didn't even play in the game. He was hurt. Did he want to get it because he wanted it as a collector's item, or did he want to he get it because he wanted to try to psychologically mess with warfare. Tim Brown? Yes. Because Tim Brown, everybody's famous for that damn for that towel. towel. He's like, he's got to have a backup towel. No, they got that towel. <laughs> they, got dude. The towel? they got the towel. Did he have a backup towel? I, I'm sure he, no, he <laughs> went back and got it because he got into a fight with the dude. Yes. 
was. He was trying to get him out of his head. And he said he did not score. He did not do anything in that game against uh, uh, A&M. The secret was you got to take Tim Brown's towel towel from him, man. His strength is in his towel. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Well, you know, honestly, it just messes with his psychology. Exactly. Because like you said, baseball player, he looked good. But he's also, I imagine he wipes his hands off because Tim Brown didn't wear gloves. No. If I remember right. No, right? I don't Tim think Brown he did because he got the tape on He would his tape fingers. his fingers yeah. up, and I think he would wipe his hands all the time on that towel. Yep. It, was, it was a big towel. Yeah, it was, it, it, oh, it was it one was of the flashy ones, like, man. It was like, that was a yeah, towel. Yeah, that's a, hey, that was a QB towel. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's like a QB yeah. towel. That's, yeah. like a, that's, like a, that's like a bath towel. Exactly. Man. What you doing? <laughs> it's like, come they on, man. Like, they're getting that towel. It's be a face towel. You got yeah. a bag towel out there, man. Exactly. But you're right. I think he would just wipe his hands off. He probably messed with his head. It did. Oh, that's interesting. That's pretty cool. But I like I like his dad. Actually, I got a chance to meet him. But he's also a he's also a uh, a footwork coach now. Yeah. So this young man's got amazing footwork naturally. Like it's it's ingrained in him. It's he's programmed to have it now. He doesn't even think about it. It's muscle memory. A lot of DBs you gotta you gotta work that footwork over and over again until it becomes muscle memory. Not him. Been doing it since he was a baby. Uh, so yep. I'm a big fan of Terrence Brooks. I think he's gonna win that cornerback spot opposite uh, Ryan Watts on that field side. Anyway, let's jump to the <clears throat> the offensive side of the ball. That's where all the uh, conversation. Conversation among the Longhorn Nation is because they want to talk about the QBs, which we'll talk about too. Uh, but the uh, QBs, I, I listen. I thought Quinn Ewers actually looked really good, and Sark did say that basically he re- he removed all doubts that he was the starting quarterback. I don't think there was any conversation locally about who was going to be the starting quarterback for Texas. Everybody knew it was going to be Quinn Ewers, but nationally they they were having some. On discourse about yeah. who's going to be the quarterback, and that was crazy. But Quinn Ewers ended up 16 of 23, 195 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Malik Murphy probably won the day, honestly. And, and not because he was better than Quinn Ewers or anything, but because it was surprising to see how good. Malik Murphy was. I don't think yep. people hadn't hadn't got a chance to see him. And if you hadn't watched his, you know, his high school film, you probably thought it was more hype than substance. Not the case. Malik Murphy, nine of thirteen hundred sixty-five yards, one touchdown. Arch Manning, five of thirteen for thirty yards. He mostly just was running for his life. Yeah, exactly. And not, not his fault. It's just yeah. everything. He was he was basically drinking through a fire hose, as yeah. they would say. So everything was happening really fast for him. Everybody assumes Arch Manning will redshirt. Yep. Uh, but for for now, it looks like Malik Murphy. Has the backup quarterback job, which Harsh talked a lot about in his Harsh Knock Life. Go check it out if you missed it. Uh, but he's he has the, the backup quarterback job firmly in hand, and Quinn Ewers is your starting quarterback. And I, I thought Harsh that he looked much more comfortable uh, within the offense, and it seems like he's got now more, familiar, not only more familiarity with the offense, but he seems to now have the ability to. Um, and I, I think started on a deep ball probably mostly to anticipate a little yes, bit better. Yes. Uh, the route combinations and when guys are going to come open. Yep. Now I'm sure you can people can bring up times when he didn't anticipate as much, but the anticipatory uh, ability of him with especially the wide receivers that he's got if he can hit those guys on the move. Talking about getting yak yards, make Woo! them yak, make them yak daddies. Yeah. I think that's ideally what Sark wants. That's ideally what he had at Alabama, and he's got. Uh, not not Alabama like wide receiving uh, talent in that room, but you're talking about one of the best wide receiving rooms in the country. Some would say it is the best wide receiving room in the country. Like it's in that mm-hmm. conversation with o- Ohio State probably got the best. I don't know who, who's up there now, but they got the best. They always got the best. Uh, but they're being that kind of conversation. I like it. I like it. And and <laughs> like you said, when you sit there and you look at how this game was played out and the ability of all of these players and what you can have. It's going to be a good look for the University of Texas. I know Sark, he didn't really want to be gushing 
over all of the things that he saw this weekend. But you can tell, as you've been talking about this or last week, the confidence, the way he looks at his team. He feels like this team can be very, very special. He don't want to say it, but you can see the way he was talking about it afterwards. He's a very confident guy, and his team is showing that confidence as well. Yeah, it's interesting. He he was asked about that. Um, He said after uh, watching the spring game, he was asked what he thinks the potential of this team could be this season. Here is uh, Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, I, like I said, I, I like our football team. Um, um, I, I like, we're, we're talented. Um, I think that we're together. And that's, to me, is more, is more more important than the talent. The fact that I think that the, the connectivity on this team, the culture that, that these guys have created with each other, um, they have a lot of fun with one another. It's the first time today uh, I came into the team meeting and uh, they were all singing a song together. Two years ago, you could have heard a church mouse in here when I walked into a team room. And now they're actually having a lot of fun being a team with one another and appreciating the work that each of them are doing. Um, And that comes from love. And the fact that that's where we're at as a team, that's going to help us overcome the adversity we're going to get faced with in the fall. But I definitely think we're talented enough. Uh, Now we we just got to keep putting in the work and make sure we understand the whys of the things that we're doing and put ourselves in a a position where we're ready to go compete and compete at a high level with a full allotment of, of our 85 scholarships. All right. I okay. Like they asked him what song later on the, yeah. the kids were singing. And you know who asked him that, right? Who was that? I man, Corey Was Mose. that Corey Mose? <laughs> he always looking for that. Look for that great that story. Little story. That little right nugget. That, right. that great nugget. Uh, he did. Uh, okay, I'm going to say that Sark did know the song. Oh, I'm sure he did. I'm going to say Sark did not want to reveal the song because the song was probably not a PG-13 song. It, was it Kumbaya? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> imagine like thinking all your players sing a song. It sounds like, oh, that's a great, cool moment. You remember before the <laughs> national title game for the women's national title game, they had the hour ladies singing a song and it was something like it was like a, oh, yeah. like a Disney movie or something I don't yeah. know what they were singing and they had the LSU girls singing a song yeah, yeah, and uh, it was like a straight it up was straight gangster th- rap yeah. song or something like that they were like one was, of these are not like the <laughs> other <laughs> yeah. they were very different I bet it, it was probably like some uh, a gangster rap song of some kind yeah. like what? Memphis still would whoop that trick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that song's like, if I reveal that song and people go look up the song, they got a they got a picture, my team singing that song with the lyrics, and I don't want people to see that. I want them to know that they're so close that they sing a song together because they love being around each other. And and it's it's one of those moments that's a it's a feel-good moment for the locker room, it's a good culture moment. Yep. But if you think about the song they're singing and probably the words they're saying, you probably would have uh, some criticism of that, and he doesn't want to deal with that. So it's a good, I, I, I'm glad he walked the line. I'm glad he said, I don't know the song. You know the song. You know why I know he knows the song? Because when he heard the song, he asked somebody, what is that song? <laughs> no coach is going to hear his group sing a song. Right. And then not ask, hey, what, are y'all, what song are y'all singing? Somebody told him what the song was. He was like, that's all I need to know. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to know anything else. So, hey, I appreciate that, Sark. Let yeah. us know exactly what we need to know. Not too much. Remember nope, he used to give yeah. up too much information oh, early that's on? That's what I always say. He was volunteering too much info I early on when he got here. And now I think he's learned. I'll give him a I'll give him I'm gonna give him a little bit, but not too much. So Corey, no, Corey Moles was trying to get to Oh, he was trying to, to get to the root of it. That's right. Corey, like, uh Corey do you happen to know what song that was, yeah, coach. He knows he knows you, Corey. He knows you yeah. work really hard. You're gonna put up a great tweet with the song and then find out from the players what song it was. He's probably gonna find out anyway. You know he is. You know he is. <laughs> and Jay Witt's gonna tell him. But that's a, but that's not as big of a story. It won't go viral like the coach saying it. No. Everybody listen to it. Jay Witt's saying it, oh, it's fine, it's a local story. 
Yeah. It goes national. And he's like, yeah, they singing Whoop That Trick. He's like, what? <laughs> whoop that? What the hell? What? You know, he's like, yeah. Yeah, you know about that. So good Playing job, Trick bro. Daddy. Exactly. Exactly. Because I'm a thug. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is. We don't need to know all that. That ain't our business. We don't. We just want to know, is the team close? Hell That's yeah, right. they're close. That's good. That's that means they're going to win no games. That's I right. love that about That's Suck. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, a couple other things. Let's talk about the offense. We'll get to this, obviously, a little bit more in depth in Rod's round the day. Um, but you noticed it, and it's the first thing you brought up to start the show. And I noticed it, too. And I said even before the spring game, I think the identity of the offense is going to be built around the passing game. That's where all the weapons are. Yep. You build your, your identity around the strength. Uh, the wide receivers, hard. you talked Ooh. about them. They stood out. Yes, they did. That group, if you're talking about the deepest group and most talented group on the team in terms of just their ceiling and then the overall depth, wide receiver is in that conversation. It's, it's the most beautiful part of what Sark is trying to get accomplished. That is the room that he is really focused in on and really made the most movement with. We sit here and we look at over the years, and as we talked about before, you were probably in one of the – you were going up against probably one of the greatest receiving cores at the University of Texas. Besides the ones with Jordan Shipley and Quan Cosby and what they were capable of doing, but – the wide receivers in your group that you were going up against every day were very, very special group. And you sit here and you look at what Xavier Worthy did his first two years here. Mm -hmm. Then you look at what Jay Witt has been trying to do. You go back to Devin DuVernay and what he did at this university in a situation where it was like, man, I didn't even know he had that in him till he moved to that position because of an injury. They were going to move him to the outside, and then he finally got to the point mm -hmm. where he took over for little Jordan Humphrey and went crazy. But you look at this room and you say, where am I going to have my opportunities? Who am I going to have to get this ball to? And we, we were talking about it before, about how Sark, when he was with Alabama, the room that he had and the players that he had in that room, mm -hmm. they were all in the NFL. Majority of them first-round picks, too. So you start looking at that talent, and then you're trying to stockpile your room mm -hmm. with that type of talent. We got a glimpse of what uh, A.D. Mitchell could be. I mean, that dude was making – he made a play with one hand across the middle that I didn't even know he could get up that high to get, but he snagged it out of there. Then you see the stretch play with uh, 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 Xavier Worthy down the field. Jontae Cook, another weapon in that room oh, yeah. that we still don't know what he's going to be yet. Yep. We got a glimpse. We got a glimpse. Tell a flash of it. Yeah. And yeah. then you had more. He got a play down the field, dropped it, but it's going to be all right. He was open, mm -hmm. and you know that that's going to get corrected. So he, there's a lot of people that it's uh, going to be able to stretch the field like Sark likes to. Yeah. That's not even mentioning Isaiah Neor. Exactly. Who we haven't seen yet. Well, you're right. We don't even forget all about him. I think exactly. That seems like That's disrespectful, sad, but, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, we look past him because yep. that room is deep. Now you see why Brendan Thompson. Yeah. And they didn't have another one. And Jay Alexis. <laughs> you see why those guys are looking like, elsewhere Ugh. for a path yeah. to play. Um, and Sark, he gets into this a little bit in this cut. It's a little lengthy cut, but I love toward the end of it what he's talking about with the overall team. So someone asked Sark. Uh, what were essentially what were your goals? What did you want to accomplish during the spring? What were your priorities? What were your points of emphasis? And did you in fact accomplish those goals? Did you check all the boxes you need to check during the spring? Here's what Sark had to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know a few of the things were you know the run game, how it was going to look, what it was going to feel like with some different runners. And even at that, you know, we didn't have Jonathan Brooks and Keelan for the majority of spring. We got Brooks back kind of the last couple weeks. Um, Naturally, from a coach's perspective, we 
I don't want to call it experiment, but, but quite frankly, we experiment some in spring ball with, with schemes, with personnels, uh, with some position changes. Um, you know, maybe a lineman playing who was a tackle playing guard. If he was a guard, maybe he's playing the other guard. So we experimented with a lot of those things. Um, and then obviously defensively too. You know, you can, you can take a few more chances throughout the spring knowing there's not as many consequences, right, because you're not ha having a game to play. Uh, and I think we found out some things about us from a pressure standpoint uh, to create pressures. A lot of these things I'm talking about we don't show in a spring game. But uh, in the end, I think the biggest thing we found out about our team is I think we have really good depth on this team. Um, you know, you can you can go position by position, and I feel very comfortable if the if the starter isn't in, the backup doesn't look much different. And I, I don't know, you know, I, we haven't been in that space here my first couple years. We've we've been in a space where maybe one position was that way, but at another position it was like, man, if so and so goes down, we're in real trouble. Uh, today I kind of feel like if so and so goes down a position, which we never want them to, you know. The next guy going in, we all feel very comfortable with. And I think that part, for me, was the thing that I got out of spring balls, that we have, a, we have depth on this team now to where um, we have a very solid two deep and at some positions three deep where we're very comfortable with the players that we have. There you go. Love and it. I, I think wide receiver position is probably the prime ding, example ding, of that ding, depth. Ding, I mean, you guys, right. you're just you're deep there, man. You're getting deeper and deeper with Jay Wood X. Jay Wood X Men AD Metro combined for mm. 15 receptions for 200 yards. Um, and then it doesn't include Jonte Cook and his 79-yard reception that he had. And as Patrick mentioned, we won't even talk about Isaiah Nayor. Uh, Sark said he could have gone, actually. He probably would have been a green jersey guy. Exactly. But he's like, he could have gone, so they just want to be really cautious with him. And so they – and DeAndre Moore. I keep forgetting about the youngster. Because yeah. Moore had a damn good scrimmage, too. That's – you know, you're talking about five, six guys right there, potentially. And we don't talk about guys like Casey Kane. And you know their development. Um, so that yeah. see, I, I don't know if there's a deeper position on the team. No, I don't. Quarterback, I, I, maybe. I mean, but I don't know. Well, man, yeah, I, but it's, that's it's deeper than it's deeper than QB because it's Archie, definitely Archie deeper. Ready. I think you know some Jonte Cook might be ready to go already. I think Jonte is ready. Yeah, to go. Yeah, Arch ain't ready to go. Arch no. will be one day, but he ain't ready to yeah. go yet. Those wide receivers, they're ready to go right now. If they can you, play right away. Yes, if you <laughs> had to put them out there. I don't think you're gonna miss much. And in Sark's system, I think it is a wide receiver friendly system. Yes, it is. That's why I think you can. That's why I think they can um, attract a lot of wide receivers via the uh, recruiting mm -hmm. and via the transfer portal. Because I, once they look at that system, they know that it is a wide receiver friendly system. What Sark calls break to daylight. Yes, uh, that's what the, that's the philosophy for all his wide receivers. Throw me open, and I much. will make some happen. Yes. Uh, yeah. All right, we come back. We'll get into Rod's round today. I'll go through my individual notes on at the spring game, the conceptual signatures that I noticed from Steve Sarkeesian during the spring game. He's dropping some clues. He's dropping some hints about what the offensive identity may be next year, and I'll tell you about some of the ones I picked up on right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful on the horn. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite 
and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, we're just going to continue our spring game conversation, our review here. Um, I wrote down a couple of notes. Uh, I'll go back and watch the spring game again probably tonight and chart the actual spring game so I'll find some more analytical trends um, that I'll bring up tomorrow. But just kind of some of the raw notes, some of the things I liked, and just some of the obs- raw observations from the spring game. One thing that I did like that I, I saw early on and it didn't work out the way it should have. They did run. Remember, I said this before the spring game. I said, it might be wise. Instead of basically building your passing game around force-feeding and featuring Xavier Worthy, instead, just flip that to JT Sanders. The start of the game, it basically was that. They ran the passing game through JT Sanders early on. Yep. Now, it didn't work out. <laughs> they had two targets to him, I think, on the first, what, three plays and one to X-Men, and they couldn't get here. One of those was ended up being a drop early on. Early on, a lot of the passing game was run through or around featuring J.T. Sanders. And the reason, I think, listen, X-Men will still get his targets. He's going to get just as many targets. He just won't, you won't start the passing game around him. And because it's, it's just tougher to scheme him open, you'll have team's best corner, trying to shadow him as much as they can. Yep. All right. He'll be on a decent corner unless you'll put him in the slot. And when you put him in the slot, a lot of times teams, if they're smart, they're going to try to double team him or rotate coverage toward him. It's much easier to scheme open a tight end than it is a wide receiver, in my opinion. A really good skilled tight end. Now, everybody doesn't have one of those, but it's easier. That's why Travis Kelsey's always open. People always wonder, why is Travis Kelsey always open? Because it's really hard to consistently take Travis Kelsey away because you can move him around almost anywhere in the formation. Fullback, H-back, tight end, inline tight end, flex tight end, in slot, out wide. There's not there's some place you can't put him. And then you can motion him around. You can do the same thing with JT Sanders. So I actually liked that early on. Uh, that was one of the things that I saw. And I, I said, I believe, prior to the spring game, that the identity of the offense was going to be built around their passing game. Mm-hmm. Last year it was... Put some Bijan on it with a side of Rojo because you had two elite talents in the backfield. Now all your most lethal talent is in the passing game. X-Men, Jay Witt, JT Sanders, A.D. Mitchell, they're all there. The running game is, I don't know if he likes or dislikes it, it's secondary to the passing game this season. Right. And Sark has said year to year he rebuilds his offense year to year based on the talent he has. I love that, by the way. That's a very Greg Davis-like approach. Right, Greg Davis never had a system. I know you guys don't want to hear this. He never had a system that he was married to. He would look at the offense every year, and based on all the dynamic talent Mac Brown brought in, he'd go, "All right, this year we're gonna be we're gonna we're VR. We're gonna run the zone read read option. Let's go. That's we're gonna maximize his skill set with Cole McCoy. We're gonna be a West Coast uh, spread hybrid." Uh, you know, with he probably screwed up the Chris Sims one because they were pro style and they probably should have been spread. They right. probably should have been spread before everybody else with Sims. But I digress. And they messed up with Garrett Gilbert because they tried to make Garrett Gilbert go to a pro style when they should have been going more of the spread. Right. Every time they screwed up, they try to go pro and they should go <laughs> spread. I don't know. Anyway, but I digress. They always mix that one up. <laughs> they always mix it up for some yep, reason. Yep. But I digress. 
Um, but Sarks, he rebuilds the offense every year. And this year, I'm saying the identity might be built around the passing game. And he even hints at this, actually, in – we didn't play the audio, but when he first opened up the, the, the media availability in the post game, he talks about his favorite thing about the offense is the versatility of the offense now. The versatility meaning multiple ways to attack your opponents. Right, you're versatile on offense in the ways you can win, the ways you can score, the ways you can beat and exploit opponent. And I think he's right about that. Now he he probably puts the running game as a part of that. But to me, the run game is like way down on that list. Mm-hmm. You look if you if I'm a defensive coordinator going up against Texas in terms of the things that are get, that keeping me up at night, the run game ain't one of them right now. J T. Sanders is a surprise. X Man is. Yeah. Jay Witt is. Um, you know, although John, you know, a young John Tate Cook one on one with my guys, uh, with a third, your third best cover guy, that would give me headache and keep me up nice because that could be the you know the, the game breaking yep. play that could end up uh, being debilitating to my defense. So I think Sark's gonna build this offense around the passing game. That's the identity. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, Megan the Stallion size. But if you're gonna build the offense around the pass game, which is great, your by the way, your 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 next level generational talent at quarterback also can be weaponized in the passing game, right? He's not a dual threat quarterback. You got to open up the passing game to really get uh, Quinn Ewers close to reaching his ceiling. And if he gets close to his ceiling, then watch out. This offense is gonna be electric and prolific. I mean, it might be one of the best in the country. It still might be one of the best in the country. I was but to say, if we he's reaching a ceiling, yeah. you might be talking about the. I mean, it could be in that kind of conversation at being one of the most uh, dynamic passing games in all of college football. But you got to build in fail safes, and what I mean by fail safes is if you're going to make the offensive identity a passing game, then you have to assume that you're going to go up against a team with a really dynamic pass rush that it, that is going to be able to overwhelm, overcome your pass protection. How do you still? Um, how do you still make sure that your offensive identity isn't taken away, all right? isn't canceled out when you go up against an elite pass rush? Well, right. quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, getting the ball out quickly. Something I saw that I liked in this game that um, I, I, I think they'll do more of, they saw a little bit of it, one of the conceptual signatures, that there was, they did go empty a couple of times in the, I think it's more in the second half that I see them go empty. Empty with this team makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense schematically. Mm -hmm. If you're just talking about trying to deploy as many lethal weapons as possible in the passing game, um, empty makes perfect sense. Now, remember, I've been charting empty for three years now, even before it became really a phenomenon in the NFL. One of the keys to having an empty, a great empty quarterback is accuracy, ball placement, because the ball is going to come out quickly. The beauty of empty formation is it emphasizes the quick game. The quarterback naturally speeds up his internal clock. He knows, I got to get the ball out. I got to get the ball out. And the defense which are ultimately stressed, they're either, either going to be in an easy zone coverage to read or they're going to be in man-to-man. And, and I'm going to talk about strictly man-to-man across the board, zero coverage, because you've got five wide receivers across the board. Mm-hmm. So all you got to do is pretty much it, it, it really cleans up the pre-snap read for your quarterback because you're not going to have really evolved pre-snap disguise shells to deal with. In when you're facing empty. Why? Because defenders like myself, you cannot afford to sacrifice your alignment and your assignment for disguise. Your coach will dog cuss you on the sideline. Hello. You were trying to fool the quarterback with pre-snap shell disguise, so that's why you were out of position and gave up the post route? No. 
Right. So every empty formation, every defender gets immediately in their position. Alignment assignment. You have to. You can't afford to be out of position when that ball is snapped. All right, in empty formation. So you get rid of the pre-snap shell disguise a lot of the times when you're going up against information because the defense is so stressed about it. And I think for a guy like Quinn, that would also help him clean it up. And depending on the usage, depending on your personnel that you're using, I mean, you think about it. Now, and I know this is just me thinking positionless football, <laughs> but you got a guy like Savion Red. Say you put Savion Red at running back. JT is your tight end. Your three wide receivers are x Men. Jay Witt and A.D. Mitchell. And you can go empty with that. Hmm. Or, hell, man, you could go Jay Witt in the backfield at running yes. back. You really want to get funky. Yes. JT at tight end, X-Man at receiver, along with A.D. Mitchell and Jontae Cook as your receivers, and you go empty. There's a mismatch. There's probably three, two to three mismatches. And all you need, all you need is a well-prepared Quinn Ewers who understands where the weakness is, what defender is isolated, and what the route combination is, because you know your guys can win those one-on-ones. And what empty does, it forces it forces isolation uh, football, basically. So let me ask you this. If you're looking at Jay Witt and him possibly going into the <laughs> running back room, this is just us talking right now and then trying to figure it all out. Do you think the running game would be more effective with him as a running back? No, no, back? no, it's not about the running game. No, but I'm asking. It won't be. Okay. No, he's no. not that kind of. He's losing weight. He literally has yeah, lost he, ten yeah, pounds to get has, lighter. Yeah. So it's not that's that. It, it's it's really just about supplementing mm-hmm. um, a a a a supplementing the the running game with I guess an extension of the running game, right? Which is basically the quick game. Yep. You want that's what we've been, you've been game, talking about that just, for It's just a quick game, yeah. all right? It's just your, 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 your quick outs, your quick slants, your mm-hmm. hitches. That's an extension of the running game. Your flare routes, your running backs, all that kind of stuff. And that's, what, that's all empty is. It's all empty uh, emphasizes. And that's why I think Quinn would be really good at it. He wasn't great at it last year. He was okay. He, I think he would be excellent at it um, because now you have better weapons yep. across the board. Yep. And like I said, if teams are going to play you straight up, then that's even better. But if they decide to double JT or double X-Man, then you know you have one-on-ones right. everywhere else. So I think you're going to see more empty this year. He didn't do a ton of it in the in the spring game, but I think you're going to see more of it just because it makes sense. And for those who, t- who are about to say, hey, Robbie, what are you talking about? Empty formation. What if they can't pass protect? All the, all the stats that I've done uh, with Texas football over the last three years in empty formation show that the, the sack rates actually drop in empty formation. Because the quarterbacks are getting the ball out. That's, yeah. They're not going to hold the ball. Quick, quick, yeah. quick. Or if it was Casey Thompson or Hudson Card or Sam Ellinger, they could scramble. Yeah. So they added another plus one element in the running game because they still had the run game out of empty. When Bam Bam Sam was in empty formation, it was deadly because teams still had to keep a spy in on Sam. Mm-hmm. And then they couldn't double team every, all the wide receivers because you had you got to choose what to do with your your plus one on defense. And he he would scramble and make tons of plays out of empty formation, run the football. And Texas in twenty twenty averaged nine point six yards per play out of empty. In twenty twenty one, averaged eight point eight yards per play out of empty. Both sack rates went down both years out of empty formation. Your explosive play rate is probably closer to 20% in -hmm. empty those two years. Now, I said last year dropped off a little bit because you had an erratic quarterback who was regressing. I think this year those numbers could go up because I think you have a mature quarterback, a more veteran quarterback, more comfortable quarterback, and you got better weapons across the board. 
So if I, I, I think you'll see it this year more because it was so successful for them. Hell, and I know Stark watched film of the last year with Tom Herman in 2020 and in 2021. It was easily the most successful concept for Texas those last those two years. And there's a reason that in that Super Bowl with the Rams and the Rams won versus the Bengals, those two teams led the NFL in empty formation rate in the NFL because they had two quarterbacks who were accurate. Right. Right. You had Matt Stafford, who was really, really accurate, and Joe Burrow, really accurate. That's what he did a lot of that, matter of fact, at LSU. And if Quinn is accurate, that's the thing. He's got to be accurate. The footwork has got to work mm-hmm. for you to do that, but it will get the ball out quick, and I think it would um, kind of speed up his internal clock. All right, one other thing, too. I think you're going to see a lot more RPOs. Sark wants to be an RPO-based offense. He talks about this all the time. He wants to be an RPO-based passing game. And at Alabama, he was leading the country in RPO rate. That dropped off at Texas because he wasn't really comfortable and confident with Casey Thompson and Hudson Card with their manipulation of the mesh point. With the RPO, he, did, he thought it was way too much for them to have to, you know, kind of reconfigure their hand placement on the ball. So he didn't really, he didn't really feel comfortable with them running a ton of RPO. They ran some, but not a, not as much as he would have liked. He's gonna let Quinn Ewers run more RPOs this year, just based on what I saw in the spring game. I, they ran a lot of RPOs in the spring game, and an RPO is basically a combination of the quick game and the run game. Right. Essentially, it's both. Right. It's a it, it's a truth that tells a lie. It's both. So. This You want to emphasize the quick game, getting the ball out, but also still have the running game and make sure you have the numbers advantage. The RPO is a great way to do it. So I think Sark this year is going to reemphasize the RPO and now become an RPO-based passing game. And a lot of your deep shots will come off the play-action passing game. And I think 50% of his deep shots all come off a of play-action pass last season. That's going to continue. But I did see a lot more drop back, too. Uh, in this uh, in this past game, in spring game. All right, so uh, that's some of the notes. Uh, we'll get some more of those tomorrow uh, when I do a rewatch of the game and start charting some of those uh, trends. All right, come back. We'll get into off the record on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie on 1049. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie. My man Patrick plays jams intended to soothe the tortured soul of sports fans who may have had a tough weekend. Uh, Not a tough weekend for Longhorn uh, football. A lot of uh, Longhorn fans excited about what they saw in the spring game. Also, Longhorn fans, uh, football fans, may be excited about this new transfer portal acquisition. Uh, Six foot two. 300-pound Georgia, uh, sorry, yeah, uh, native of Georgia, actually, um, who has now decided that he is going to um, commit to the University of Texas via the transfer portal. And, guys, love the name. It's a great name. I, I'm, I give his parents some credit. I know you like this one. Trio Carter. Hey, man. That's his name. Come on, man. Trio Carter. Carter. For those of those Pimp C would be Pimp C would be excited about. He this. would be <laughs> Trill in Urban Dictionary uh, is a is a uh, it's a combination of true and real. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, trill com- combined the two. And trill uh, popularized by UGK Pimp C, Sweet James Jones, uh, as he uh, came to be known. Uh, rest mm-hmm, in peace, by the mm-hmm. way, to the late great Sweet James Jones. But Trill Carter, uh, he is a defensive tackle. Hard. They say he's about six two three, between three hundred and three and ten pounds. Uh, he did choose Texas over Ohio State, Illinois, and Arkansas. Yep. And he was at Minnesota prior to hitting the transfer portal. Love it. 
It, it, it it's it's a love it. it to me it says because they're already deep at D tackle right yep, we, yep, we said yep. honestly D tackle might be the deepest position on the team you know along with wide receiver you're talking about Tavondre Sweat Byron Murphy you got Alfred Collins you're throwing in there uh, hell is Vernon Broden still Vernon Broden still there right Yep. Vernon, Vernon it has already been brought in. Has it? No. I mean, you should say it, that with a question mark. Yeah, yeah Vernon has already <laughs> been brought in. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's better. Uh, uh, Sadir Mitchell, Aaron Bryant, uh, those are some other guys. But, uh, you know, maybe this tell to me, and I will watch some film on Troll Carter to see if my theory, hypothesis lines up. But I think this is a guy who specializes in run stuffing. Mm hmm. And these other guys, Byron Murphy, we know I think Byron Murphy can do does both really well actually. Um, but guys like Tavondre Sweat, even Alfred Collins, um, those guys have been eh, I say they they've been complimented with being disruptors, mm-hmm. but more guys who create pressure and collapse the pocket as pass rushers. Now I think Tavondre Sweat also can be that guy that can do both as well. Um, but I do think they want a player who kind of specializes in in run stuffing right. as a run stopper. Remember I told you guys the NFL is like this too. All right, you got so many defenses that are built to go sideline to sideline to defend these zone run schemes. Well, every now and then the counter for an offense when you are really good, when you got a lot of speed and you have you have a really good defense designed to stop that sideline to sideline uh, run uh, run scheme that the zones uh, present to the defense. They want to go counter, they want to go power, they want to go gap run schemes right. right at you, and a lot of teams aren't prepared for that counter. You know, of teams deciding to go power instead of going to zone blocking scheme. So you need some of those old school wide body D tackles who can just line up there and stuff a damn gap, yep. take on a double team. And this may be one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, he's a big body person, so it, it'll be interesting to see exactly how he's going to be used. But I agree with you. If you can bring somebody in that is definitely that run stuffer, what do you always say about the Big 12? It, it, it's, it's a it's a run it's a, it's basically a running league cross dressing as a passing league and this they is why you need somebody like that yep so this is a big get for him for for Texas and to your point God make sure we look at the film and say okay okay this is why they picked this guy up and that's important for the Texas Longhorns <laughs> to get somebody like that Trill who totaled nineteen Trill. tackles one and a half sacks in twenty twenty two so he's obviously not a pass rusher or a penetrator no. that's why I think he's a run stuffer at least based on the stats and uh, yeah it's a guy that looks like he is you know going to be a contributor right away not looks like that's why you bring yeah, in that's transfer why you bring, guys they're very particular on what they get too yeah they won't get yeah, exactly well yep. you pinpoint these spaces yep. and this is something post spring they must have identified as a problem area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually thought it was I thought it was tough for the offense to have interior runs. And we're not talking about the negative aspects of the spring game. We'll get into that later on this week. But I thought one of the things that was a challenge for the offense was the interior runs. Yeah. The power runs. It was. It they was. They didn't seem to that have was, no, a presence they, there. No, they had good numbers, but they weren't stuffing it, as you were talking about before. Uh, you look at their yards per carry. I think it was, what, four Four yards per carry they were getting on the ground, or three, three something like that they were giving up. The oh, Texas, last year, yeah. Oh, yeah, last year they were they were stout. They yeah. were one of the best in the country, right? The so now defense. you you replacing some yeah. of those other feet, those players to be able to bring a guy in like that. That's huge. Yeah, they were like top, uh, probably top fifteen. Yeah, uh, one of the better run defenses in the country last season. Uh, okay, uh, we'll come back. We'll get into NBA playoff review and preview of the games coming up tonight. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, one hundred four nine the Horn.